How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to the Commander at Arms. I'm your host, James. And I'm Paul. And today we're going to be talking about the eight cards that we think should be banned in Commander. Now, if you don't know, Command Zone do a show every year called the Commander Summit. This year, it's the 2020 Commander Summit. And one of the topics we're going to be talking about is what ca- what cards they think should be banned in Commander. They actually go out and ask all content creators to have their voice and chime in and see what they ca- think the cards should be banned. And these are our eight that we're going to submit. But what we're going to do is we're going to expand upon our reasonings why just a little bit more in this podcast. Um, so I do have a couple of honorable mentions that I want to lead off on, if you don't mind, James. Yeah, that's Because fine. I'm sure people are going to ask about it. Um, so ones that come up commonly are like Stasis, which is uh, players skip their untap steps, blue enchantment. Uh, Armageddon and Ravages of War are destroy all lands. Expropriate is a very famous extra turn spell that also steals permanence. And Dead Eye Navigator is a personal one of mine that I considered that is not usually called for. So for everyone except Dead Eye Navigator, these are very common that people think that should be banned. And the reason is because they are either very powerful or they make players very salty, they're very oppressive. But I just don't think that they're bad enough that they warrant the ban. Like Armageddon and Ravages of War are usually followed by a win con. Same with like Expropriate. And same with Stasis. Dead Eye Navigator is the only one on here that's unique to me, at least that I've seen. And I consider it because it enables a lot of combos very easily. But it's also a huge value engine for those Blink decks. And I think that they would be much worse off without it. So that was the reason I didn't actually include it on my list. Just wanted to open up All on right, that cool. to get those out of the way. No, you're right. I actually have an, an honorable mention of myself, but mine's more uh, uh, comedic. I'll leave it to the end of the show and end, end of the list. Um, you did say uh, there was cards there where you're skipping your draw step. That's what we're going to do here today. Um, I know on these talkback kind of episodes, we have the, the whole upkeep, untap draw step, but I don't have a play of the week. And I myself have not been able to play a whole lot either. of Magic. I've uh, been a little busy this week, so... So we are going to stasis ourselves and we're going to skip our draw step and just get straight into the meat and potatoes of this episode. So we're going to go back and forth and we're going to talk about what cards we think should be banned. Um, Paul, did you want to start with your first card? Sure. So I'm actually going to start off the bat by cheating already. Uh, My first card, so to speak, is actually two cards and that's because they fulfill largely the same purpose in two different colors. Uh, Those are Ristic Study and Smothering Tithe. I'm sure everybody is very familiar with these cards by now, but Ristic Study is an enchantment for two and a blue, and it says whenever an opponent casts a spell, unless they pay one, you may draw a card. And Smothering Tithe, very similar. Whenever a player draws a card, or sorry, whenever an opponent draws a card, unless that player pays two, you may create a treasure token. And a treasure token is a artifact that says tap and sacrifice it to add one mana of any color to your mana pool. I'm sorry, the new wording is just add one mana of any color. I'm going to jump in there real quick, and I'm going to say I love both of these cards. I actually play both of these cards in a couple of my decks, but I do agree with you on on them. It leads to unfun interactions with players where whenever they do anything, you're constantly asking them if they're going to pay for that. And after about, you know, two or three times, it gets very annoying. So that's a fair point, and um, I agree that these cards often lead to 
not stale board states, but really like re- boring and repetitive ones. It, it, it just it drags the game. It's, it's, it's the same logic behind like Sensei's Divining Top and how that drags games on. This, these are largely the same, except instead of for actual gameplay, they just delay it by speech. But other than that, and I'm going to uh, add on to that, um, and this might be a little bit of a hot take, especially considering how, how young we are as a podcast, but I feel like most people just don't play correctly against these cards, or they can't play correctly against these cards in the case of Smothering Tithe. Yeah. Um, I, and I know that, like I said, this is going to be a little bit of a hot take, I always play off-curve when people play Rhystic Study or Smothering Tithe, because I just refuse to give somebody that advantage. But usually the other people at the table uh, just give them the resources and just slam everything they can onto the table. And these cards, for that reason, they often lead to just one player having such a massive resource advantage over everybody else. And most of the time, it's just completely unrecoverable. Like, the person that plays Smothering Tithe almost all the time is untapping on their turn with 8 mana. I have never seen yeah. anybody go around the table with Rhystic Study out and not draw at least one card. Or go around the table with Smothering um, Tithe out and not get at least three mana. So I have actually had both of those things happen to me once. Um, not in the previous games that I've played lately. Uh, there was one game where I was playing Calamax and I was able to turn two Rhystic Study out and it hung around on the board for way longer than what I expected it to. I got so many cards off it that it actually turned me into one of the biggest threats on the table because I am, it is a spell slinger deck. I had a fistful of cards. I had a, just an immense amount of mana because I had all the cards but to ramp. I got all my ramp spells out. I got like 14 to 15 mana on the board really quickly. And I actually died really quickly after that too. Uh, the player who went just after me went infinite and I lost that game. So, I mean, it's kind of, it's, it, it, it's those... Uh, the pros and the cons of the card, I guess, and the play style. And I have also had a, a game where Smothering Tithe got me no mana for two turns. That's... I, I would say that's probably a very, very small minority case. Probably less than Oh, 1%. yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> but, like, I, I, I will hear, and, and I'm, I'm sure, like, with the cards that you've, you're, you've seen should be banned, I'm going to play Devil's Advocate, and I'm sure that you'll do the same for me. Um, well, actually, I'm just about done saying what I need to say about those two cards, if you want to go ahead and hit your cool. first one. So, my first card that I'm going to talk about was one that Paul said in the uh, at the start. My first card that I think should be banned is Expropriate. And more, more specifically, Expropriate and extra turn cards that are abusable. So, why I think that is, is because it leads to in... in uh, sorry, it leads to non-interactive games... Where you're either to either forced to sit there and watch someone else go through 15, 16 extra turns, or you just have to scoop and walk away. And at that point, you're not playing magic. You're watching someone else basically goldfish, play solitaire on their field, do nothing, not winning, and going. And then they say pass after their 10, 15 extra turns, and that's it. Either the game keeps going and you've just sat there for an hour watching them do whatever they want, or you scoop go find another pod, shuffle up, play a new game. So I did have an interaction with this, with Expropriate just recently, where a player resolved uh, three copies of Expropriate on the stack. And instead of sitting there and watching him potentially get 12 extra turns, we all just kind of scooped and we went away and 
we all just split ways and, and ended up playing in different pods. So, like I said, Expropriate is one that I had considered as well, which is why it was in my honorable mentions. But ultimately, yeah. if I had to choose a card to compare Expropriate to, it would probably be Time Stretch. Time Stretch is 10 mana, target player takes two extra turns after this one. On average, yeah. that is what Expropriate will be. Plus, you get to steal yeah. two permanents. I don't think Time well, Stretch I mean, is that broken of a card, and I don't think hacking on take two permanents to that is... And again, I'm talking about averages here. On average, assuming there's four players, yeah. you'll get two extra turns and two permanents. I'm just playing a number. Yeah, game. but then it, it leaves it. It leaves the pod in a very in, in in a position where, you know, they're now watching someone else play magic, where they've come to the table to play magic, and then all of a sudden they've like, they're now sitting there watching, and it kind of just drags the game on for longer, unless you specifically say, "I've got extra turn spells in my in my list. Is that okay?" But the thing about that is that if you ban expropriate, you're setting a precedent to ban extra turn spells in general. Because it's really not that much worse than what the ones that do see play. But I mean, I'm okay with that, honestly. Um, in the ways that I see it, you know, turns can take in the end game uh, like ten to fifteen minutes per turn for some players, depending on their their commander, their playstyle, their board state. You're then saying if I res if I resolve and expropriate and take two two extra turns, I'm making people sit there for thirty minutes watching me play my deck you know it can then comes down to a showcase of like look at all these cards that i can play in you can't do anything against so talk to me about the difference between that and time stretch the card i just saw I talked about before so i mean well time stretch is the same i mean like you're not you're not still in the permanence that's fine but like it comes down to it's it's the i mean it's not so much the voting that is the issue i think it's just yeah, it's just it drags the game on for longer than what it needs to be. You know, commander games can already go anywhere between thirty minutes to two and a half to three hours. You know, I don't want to be sitting at that table for any longer than what I need to be to play a good, fun game of interactive magic. That's where I that, that that's where I come from. I want to be able to sit down and be able to know that I will have answers for everything in other people's decks and have those fun interactions with other players instead of just sitting there at the table and watching someone else take you know, two extra turns, three extra turns, and not win the game. So would you ban Time Stretch as well? Yes. Okay. Um, what about... Let's see, what's a fairer one? What about Time Warp? Five mana, take an extra turn. Time Warp? Yes. I mean, right now, currently, in the meta that we have, with Kalamax being released and all these new Ikoria spell-slinging commanders, you're not just taking one extra turn with those cards you're doubling it and taking four extra turns. You know, even as having a, um, uh, what, um, what's the card? A twinning Staff. Well, double it if you make a copy of it. Um, I mean, Nexus of Fate is already a card that sees heavily play in every Kalamax deck. You know, I get on there and I'm like, oh, I'm going to play my Kalamax deck. He's essentially a token deck. But everyone's like, oh, no, it can't be a token deck because Kalamex does all these broken things that I've seen in four other pods. So I get hated on because of that. And they're like, well, you have to be running, you know, Nexus of Fate. It's an instant and it gets copied with Kalamax. And if you have Twinning Staff or, you know, Swarm Intelligence or Thousand Year Storm or any way to copy spells, you're going to be getting, you know, anywhere between three to four to five extra, extra turns. 
Um, so I see where you're coming from on that. Um, but I am going to have to respectfully disagree <laughs> with expropriate. That's fine. I, I think no, that part and that, is that's, fine. That, that's quite literally what this is. This is, is a discussion. This is, this is my personal feel of, it's not that like, I never want to see extra turns in the game. I feel like they have their place. They'll always have their place, but it's when someone sits there and it's very much the same as when you sit there and watch someone play Tatiova and they play a land, draw a card, play a land, draw a card, ramp, draw three cards. And they sit there and they dirtle and they don't do anything with their turn. After 20 minutes, their board hasn't been affected whatsoever and they say pass. And you're like, well, I just sat there watching that. What is What does that accomplish in the game? You know, if you're going to take, if you're taking an extra turn strategically to be like, all right, well, I have enough mana next turn to win, but I want my next turn right now, then I think that's okay. But every time I've seen an, an extra turn spell being played lately, it's been, well, I'm going to take an extra turn and I'm just going to untap draw and I'll play two little spells and then I'll pass. Um, Okay. I definitely see where you're coming from, because I, even I myself don't really play extra turn spells in all but one of my decks, and the only deck I do play it in is a CDH deck, and it's it's a combo extra turn thing. With I think in CEDH it probably has its its place more than in the mid-level tier, is kind of like where we normally play, is like that mid-tier, it's usually like mid to high tier. Um, but again, this is just me coming from my, my own personal experiences that I've had just recently playing with a larger community than just all of us at the game store. Right. Okay. I see. So this one's going to so, be an agree to disagree one for us, but that's okay. And that's fine. And <laughs> I mean, anyone out there, I'm happy to receive emails and tell me why I'm wrong or why I'm right. Or why I'm wrong. That's what this <laughs> is. Exactly. I mean, give us the feedback. I mean, I want to hear what you guys think out there, but I think we've talked enough about expropriate and extra turn spells. So let's move on. What's your second card, Paul? So I'm cheating again. And my second card is actually two cards. And Ooh. Uh, this, I promise this is the last time I'm grouping two together, but the reason actually not, sorry, just to butt in there real quickly. I actually have more than one card on my list for every reasoning why. So, I mean, I think it's okay. That's fine. I'm going to explain why we're doing that right now. Anyway. Um, so yeah. I, this is probably the same case for James, but I grouped, in this case, two cards together because it is largely the same reasoning for both of them, and I thought it would be really boring and kind of a cop-out to talk about one card, explain the whole reason, then mention a different card, and give the exact same reason. So, uh, I'm grouping two cards together here. They are both white. I talk about these cards all the time, and everybody always tells me, shut up, Paul, they're fine, but I disagree. They are Avacyn, Angel of Hope, and Elish Norn, Grand Cenobite, a white praetor. Avacyn, Angel of Hope, is an 8 mana, that's 5 and 3 white. Angel, 8-8. Eight, eight. Uh, Avacyn and Permanence you control are indestructible. And Elish Norn, Grand Cenobite, is a 7 mana, that's 5 and 2 white, for a 4-7 Vigilance, Praetor. Uh, creatures you control get plus 2, plus 2. Oh, sorry, other creatures you control get plus 2, plus 2. And creatures your opponents control get minus two, minus two. Um, so they both, on the surface, seem to do very different things. But what they result in, most of the time, is very oppressive or one-sided board states. And honestly, Elish Norn can just outright lock people out of games, as can 
Avacyn. Some decks just don't have a way to deal with, you know, indestructibility. Or in Elish Nord's case, there are there are decks that their theme requires them to run these two or less toughness creatures. You know? Like, I have an Alesha deck, and I've had Elish Norn played against me. You know how bad that felt? <laughs> About as bad as the mono red deck that I versed the other day, where uh, an Elish Norn got resolved, and he was playing, um, he was playing Grenzo, the the Goad Grenzo, uh, the one that uh, either when you hit someone with a with a creature you control, it either goads that that like those creatures, or they get to ex- he gets to exile the top card of your library and play it without paying uh, without uh, paying its mana colors, so you can use any mana to to, to cast it. He was playing that, and he was playing, like, 1-1 elementals and goblins and stuff, so he was literally out of the game for four turns and couldn't do anything. And then, and if that wasn't bad enough, uh, the next player who was playing after me uh, resolved a second Elish Norn. So we had two Elish Norns on the field, and that was just... uh, Even my creatures then were then affected. I couldn't play... Because again, I've been playtesting Kalamax, so I couldn't even have Kalamax on the field without having an extra plus one plus one counter on him. Yeah, and before anybody gets on my case saying that I'm just being salty about these two cards, I have an Elish Norn <laughs> deck. That deck runs... And it's almost brand new, isn't it? Yes, it is quite new. But that deck also runs Avacyn, and I still would be very happy if both of these cards were banned. I'd be yeah. ecstatic. I think they're way too I mean, oppressive. My stance is, even though we play the cards, I would be okay with these cards slash strategies leaving Commander for a while. Right. Um, I mean, we all, honestly, we don't see effects like these even okay. printed much now, and I think that's for a good reason. Because they're just... Like I said, they're they're too one-sided. Like, I... I the people... Anybody I've ever seen play Elish Norn, nine times out of ten, they have such a commanding board state by the next turn that I just don't even want to play anymore. So, Paul, if I think if, you're, uh, if you have anything else to say about your Avacyn and uh, Elish Norn combo, do you ready to move on? Or? Um, I just want to leave off clarifying that these cards, I have never seen somebody resolve one of them and not have such an impressive board state by the next turn that I wanted to continue to play. Like, I'm, I'm just usually, yeah, my fair. goose is usually cooked at that point. Um, I mean, I run the small Elish Norn in Taser again. Never thought I'd, I'd mention Taser again on the, on the podcast. But I mean, I run uh, Ethereal Absolution, and that's a minus one to everything. That's enough to hose token decks. I mean, I played it and then I hosed a, an Elf Ball deck. They literally couldn't play any of their Elves. But So, I mean, that kind of shot one player out, out of the game on that one. But the thing is, in like. That that that's kind of a minority case, and in green, yeah, of you, you have you know like Rexage, Acidic Slime, uh, Crozen Grip. It's literally the enchantment removal color. That's fine. Oh, of course, right? of course. But if I were to resolve Elishnorn, green has way less ways to deal with a creature. You've got Beast Within, Desert yeah. Twister. Um, I I honestly I can't even think of another one off the top of my head. I mean, if you could, there's a lot of fight cards in there. Like, there's Domery Raid. But you'd have to resolve uh, the creatures. True. <laughs> but, I mean, if you're playing big, fatty dinosaurs, then they're going to have, like, 10-10. I mean, you've got the, uh, the was it the, the Angry Aelisaur, or whatever it's called, the 10-10 that fights things and keeps fighting things. 
I guess, but like, like there's ways. That, that's but a, I mean, there's ways. But that's, that's a really niche thing. Yeah, yeah. Collectively across the board, I think that minus two, minus two is going to hose probably seventy five percent of creatures in most decks. Um. Anyway, that was that was the last thing I want to say about that. If you want to go on to your second one. Yeah. So. Again, I'm going to group my second choice of cards uh, very similar to my first set of cards. And if watching someone else take extra turns is bad enough for you, then I also believe that Mindslaver and Emmercrawl, the promised end, should also be banned. So if watching someone else playing Magic is not fun, imagine someone else taking your turn. So that's where I was kind of like, these cards are just, they basically stop one person from playing magic for at least one turn. I mean, Emrakul lets you affect, uh, it kind of lets the affected player take a turn after the person who resolves an Emrakul takes your turn, but you're going to have almost basically no permanence. They're going to get rid of everything that you, 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 you had in your hand. They're going to try and basically stop you from having the fun that you want to be having at the table. So, I mean, again, I'm going to go back to the whole, you know, the mid to late game. The turns can be upwards of 15 minutes to sometimes 20, 30 minutes, to per, you know, depending. But it's the whole losing control of your own board state and your own cards. So, speaking as someone who has had Mindslaver cast and used on me... um. I'm of a slightly different opinion about this card because personally I find it funny. You know? It it really I mean, I I've also had those interactions where it has been funny as well. But it's also been super oppressive. I can so I feel like the only way it can be oppressive is if the person whose turn you're taking is already oppressive. So when I had this happen, I had Emma Krull uh, uh, I had Emrakul resolve on me and I was playing Tasa Karlov. Now, I had a decent board state. Yes. I was very ominous to the table. Yes. But when I got to take my turn, I had no board state and I had no plan on what I was going to be doing. And I just didn't know what to do for the rest of the game because everything that I had basically worked for was gone in one turn. Which is fair, but... One could say that a board wipe would also do that, right? Correct. But I mean, at the end of the day, a board wipe very much so is... It's... It's not giving your opponents the information of what's in your hand as well. It's not like it's a board wipe plus telepathy, which is the blue enchantment that lets you play with... uh, All players play with their hands revealed. If that is your reasoning, then you must not like send triplets. I mean, I don't like send triplets, <laughs> but I'm still happy to play against send triplets because it's, I mean, again, it's not always targeting one person, but it could, I understand that, but it can, Oh, it definitely can. But I mean, that game we played where it was double send triplets. I was having just, it was a bad time for me, honestly. <laughs> I was not having any fun with that one. As much as it was like, ha, 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 yeah, that's funny. It was like, all I wanted to do was draw cards and have this massive fall of hands. And then it's like, 
oh, I just get send triplets. So the cards that I drew and was excited about playing, I now get to watch someone else resolve. So do you think that send triplets is banworthy for the same reasoning? I think send triplets is on that on that line. Uh, I very much wouldn't be opposed to having it banned. Um, I think it probably actually should be categorized with the. I mean, Mind Slaver is a one-off effect unless you're playing the uh, the commander from. Uh, I think it was M20, where you can bring back legendary permanents from the graveyard. Yes, I know. I know so what I you're mean, talking about. But there's also Academy Rooms yeah, is a land that brings it back. That's a famous combo and like cubes and stuff. Yeah. I guess my thing is is just like, okay, Emicrule's a one-off unless you can flicker it. But then if you're flickering it and you abuse it, it's more of like the abuse of these cards. So it's these are just like the problematic parts of the of the. It's this is the key to the engine. So I'm just trying to get rid of the key so the engine can still kind of run, but not as effectively. If that makes sense. So Emrakul's a little harder to abuse because it is a cast trigger. So you need to bounce it to your hand yes. and then cast it again. Um, that being said, um, Emrakul is a big boy. <laughs> he is. Uh, he's a fifteen, fifteen, I believe. Thirteen, thirteen, I think. Don't quote me on that. Thirteen, though. thirteen. He's yeah. So he's a fifteen CMC for a thirteen, thirteen. He, uh, I know he has Annihilator six. No, no, no that's the he old has one. protection from instances. That's the old one. The old one. The, the new oh. one you're thinking of has protection from instance, and it's yeah. a flyer, I think. Maybe with menace. I honestly yes. can't remember. Big old spaghetti monster. Um, <laughs> Mind Slaver. Is cheaper overall, six mana, and then you have to pay four and have and sacrifice to activate it, but easier to combo with. So, yeah. I guess. Well, that was like. Mind Slaver was like the card that I was like, ban that. But then I'm like, if I'm also banning Mind Slaver, it, then I should also like kind of mention Emmercrawl as well as kind of like a backup to it. So, yeah, the, the, the big card that I was trying to ban in, uh, wanted to ban in this was Mind Slaver. So, if you had to choose, if you could only choose one between the two, you would choose Mind Slaver. Mindslaver. Okay. Well, because Mindslaver is easy. It easy. To, it's easy to get out of the graveyard. There is a lot. It's easier to abuse. Um, there's more effects that gets out of the graveyard. Like you said, Academy Ruins. Um, and I mean, God, there's artifact as a uh, Goblin Welder who can exchange something on the battlefield for something in the uh, in the graveyard. You've got Doretti, Scrap Savant. That's a Planeswalker Commander that does the same thing for a minus two. So I mean, you could Mindslave someone. Down tick to ready, pull it back out again if you have the mana, mind slave someone else. Um, I think that probably covers about everything on mind slavery. Yep. Cool. Uh so from here, what we're gonna do is we're gonna go to the combat step like we did last week. Uh sorry, not last week, last time, and uh, we're gonna hear a word from our sponsors. Alright, welcome back. How was that combat step for you guys? Was it fun? Was it interesting? Did anyone play any uh, any combat tricks on you? Did they give it other things? Plus two, plus two, short strike. Anything else that I'm thinking of that I can't remember? Settle the wreckage. Did, they, did you get settled the wreckage? I've no, I didn't think so. never played Nobody against settle, play the settle the wreckage. Commander, thank God. <laughs> I played against that card was in standard, and I was playing Jeskai Prowess at the time, and it was awful. Oh, oh, that would have been that would have been terrible. <clears throat> so we're gonna go to main phase two now. So main phase two, we're gonna continue with Israel. Second for or this is our second set of cards that we think should be banned. Um Paul left off last time, so I think Paul, do you wanna jump back into it with your second? 
All right, so combat tricks aside, I'm going to go ahead and get started on the my semi-final card here. And this is one that is actually pretty new, but uh, and I, I haven't even played against it yet. But just reading the card uh, almost wants me, want to make me puke from the value. And that card is Kinnon Bonder Prodigy. Kinnon Bonder Prodigy is a green and a blue. That's two mana. For, it doesn't even matter what his body is. I think he's a 2-2. But his text reads, uh, whenever you tap a land for mana, add one mana of that color to your mana pool. Uh, I'm pretty sure that this is the cheapest of this kind of effect we've ever seen. Two mana for a mana doubler. And I, from what I was reading online, experiences with this card are very poor. And that is understandable. Like... In case anybody did not know, we, me and James both have our own little notes on these cards. And the only note I yeah. put for this card was, too easy. <laughs> that, that, was, that was all <laughs> I needed to say about it. I mean, so are you banning it in the fact that it doubles your mana for two mana? Yeah. I mean, if we look at the ban list, Rafelos, War Emissary, me and James were yeah. actually discussing this He's yesterday. He's a two mana. Yeah. Is two mana He's that, also two that mana taps that to add mana. one green to your mana pool for each forest you control. That's banned. Kinnon yeah. is the same thing, except you actually have blue as well. So you have counter spells and stuff to protect yourself. Ooh. So I think okay. that Kinnon is just way too easy to use. He also has another ability. It's five and a green and a blue, so seven mana total. You look at the top, I think it's five cards in your library, and you get a non-human off of the top, a non-human creature, and you put it on the battlefield. That's it. So... This is just Simic doing Simic things, but with the added bonus of doubling your mana. So on turn three, you're going to untap with six mana available to you. At least six, yes, correct. That is busted, and I actually agree with you on that one. But are you banning it because it's how little the CMC is? So do you think that uh, Zendikar Resurgence and Marari's Wake are okay? Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with mana doublers, but they should not be two mana. That's all. <laughs> like, the next cheapest one we have after Kinnon is, I think, Marari's Wake at five mana. Yes. Almost positive. Yes. And that one requires you to play green yeah. and white. And that's green and white. Yeah. Um, I, I just think that Kinnon is... It's, it's too much. Two mana for a mana doubler is just ridiculous. <laughs> you can't have that kind of effect. That... Powerful in effect. So if such we, a cheap permanent. if we played like the perfect deck with him as our commander, you'd obviously be playing him, playing uh, Zendikar Resurgence, Nix Bloom, is it Nix Bloom Weaver, Ancient, Nix Bloom Ancient. Sorry, I was getting Nix Weaver and Nix Bloom Ancient yeah. <laughs> confused again. I was kind of merging them together, and he triples your mana. So now you've got what? nine times mana so one land will tap for nine mana uh it would be times six because it doubles then six. triples so it tap for two okay. triple to my, six my math is terrible <laughs> <laughs> what can i say <laughs> i think that's yeah i mean that's very much taking the key out of that engine honestly. and might i say now that you mentioned next mention if you were to go earn one soul ring into turn two cannon, you would be able to play Nyx Blue Mansion on turn three. Yeah. And then you would be, again, untapped. You'd be unstoppable. <laughs> yeah. With, obviously, blue in your deck, where you could then bounce things 
flicker things. Yeah. Yeah. Like play at, big at old that point, Eldrazi's if you wanted to. At that point, you could even just if you have capsize in your deck, you could capsize and buy back like three permanents a turn. Yeah, I think that's that's another card I didn't think about when I was like thinking about like him as well. I mean, he isn't someone that I've ever played against. Uh, I don't think I know anyone who has actually built that deck yet. Um, but I think he's very high on the contender of, of commanders that should be banned. And, yep, I mean, I, w- I almost said I agree, but I'm the one that brought up the card, so of course I agree. Yeah. <laughs> so of course you agree. <laughs> this is me agreeing with you now. So uh, I'm going to talk about my next card, or cards, I should say. My next cards are actually uh, Ghostly Prison, Propaganda, and those Pillar Fort Effect cards. So, it very much stalls out a game and forces players into unoptimized attacks on players who they're most likely in the worst off position. So, you're making your allies weaker against the person who's going to be sitting there. And it's like, it's like, sitting in a sandbox and saying, don't come into this section because this is my section. You know, this is my corner. I'm going to do whatever I want. And that's kind of what this, these cards feel like to me when they're played. It's it's very much, I'm going to sit back here and I'm going to do whatever I want and you can't touch me because who wants to pay mana to attack somebody? So my problem with these cards, I don't think they're ban-worthy. I'll start with that. But my problem, my main problem with these cards is that they're Timmy cards or like they're casual cards that, 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 like, prevent casual gameplay styles. Like, one of the most casual things you can do in, in Commander, or in any magic form, really, is go wide, right? These token strategies, like... Make tokens, Irid and, yeah. you know, Tristani. There's a lot of them. It's one of the most Timmy things you <laughs> can do. A lot of the decks I play. One of the most casual things you can do. And Ghostly Present is a casual card, right? That prevents those strategies from literally, like, doing anything. Because... Two mana is a lot to pay for those decks. A lot of the spells that they cast are going to be pretty expensive. You know, a lot of the things that make those valuable tokens, like Armada Worm or um, uh, what is the uh, the Bayloth Rampaging Bayloths? You know, Rampaging Bayloths. You're talking like five to six mana on average for these spells. Yeah. And once they do that, well, they can't attack the person who's got Ghostly Prison now because they've pretty much tapped out. So they're going to attack uh-huh. somebody else, and like James said, those uh, those two other people are pretty much at your mercy because they're getting slammed over and over again because that ghostly present is out. Or propaganda. Any such tax effect. Yeah, it then becomes like the, well, I don't, I want to attack every turn, especially with Gearhead. Like, you want to attack every turn with Gearhead, but you then don't have, you know, you can't swing at the person you want to swing at. And that's where my kind of issue comes is like, it kind of hinders those, those casual kind of, uh, newer strategies to, to the game. Because, I mean, the, the easiest thing to do is to make tokens. You know, they, we've got so many commanders that make tokens. I mean, Cranko, Mob Boss, he makes hundreds of tokens. Oh, Cranko, Mono Red, he will never get through Ghostly Prisoner or Propaganda. Probably no, not at all. You're you know, that even point, if you do make those goblins a 100-100s with, uh, with Coat of Arms, you ain't going to pay... I mean, I would pay two. I, I would pay four mana to send, you know, two... 100 100 goblins at somebody but i mean that's then going to win the game but that's super late into the game and by that time there's almost no no chance of being able to do that 
So I definitely agree that they are high in power, but I'm going to disagree on the bandworthiness. I think that there are ways around it, like especially with Geared, the Geared, the, I'm sorry, the Geared, <laughs> the, uh, the token that he populates can attack the Ghostly Prison player without actually paying for the tax because it comes in tapped and attacking. Um, there's yeah. lots of... It's not actually declaring an attack. Yeah. It's already attacking. I, I get that. There's, uh, there's a decent chunk of removal in most colors for enchantments. So I think it's okay. And the colors that would have trouble against it usually have strategies that don't involve combat. So I personally think they're okay, but I can definitely see why... I, I, would, I wouldn't judge anybody for wanting his band. I'm not, I'm not the biggest yeah. fan of them either. I don't really play them. I haven't played him in... I don't play him in any of my decks. I don't even own a copy of either of the cards. I mean, I wouldn't even know what decks to put them in for them to be the most effective. Uh, but moving on, what was your last card, Paul? So my last card uh, is actually a card that I have two decks with him as the commander. And that card is Golos Tireless Pilgrim. Golos uh, is a 5-mana, no colors, it's an artifact creature. 5-mana, 3-5, uh, Scout, I think. Yeah. And yep. uh, he's a 3-5, and when he enters the battlefield, you search your library for a land, any land. He's going to play tapped, and then you shuffle. And he has another ability, which is 2 in Wooburg, so 2 in white, blue, black, red, green. And you exile the top 3 cards of your library... And you may play them without paying their mana cost until end of turn. Uh, play, by the way, there means that you can also play lands off of Golos if you have not played one for turn already. So He also goes and fetches you a land, too, when he enters the battlefield. Yeah. Um, so it's just way too much value on a zero-color commitment creature, right? You could have the greediest mana base possible, and no matter what, you will always be able to cast Golos. And he can either fix your mana yeah. if you need it. He can get you utility lands. Like, he can get you a Cabal Coffers. He can get you an Urborg. He can get you a Strip Mine. He can get you... I run him in a five-color artifact deck. He can get me Inventor's Fair, which which means that Golos essentially tutors my deck for any artifact that I want. Um, and when you put it that way, I think you, I think anybody will be able to understand why he can be pretty busted. Uh, I mean, I've played against a lot of different kinds of Golos decks, uh, one of them being Super Friends. That was kind of interesting to play against. He was the Golos Super Friends Pillow Fort deck that was just like we couldn't do anything against his his uh, his planeswalkers. Right, and so he was just accruing value with his planeswalkers, dimming you know, and then it was like that's where it kind of felt really bad. Right, and actually, you touched on a point that I was going to speak about uh, a little bit later, but since you mentioned it, you said that you've played against a lot of different Golos decks. And I think yes. that's part of the problem with Golos is that he doesn't really need any particular strategy to excel at what at what he does. Like no matter where you put him, he's just going to be good. He's just awesome. Yeah, he, he'll. Ne he'll I was never actually be reviewing a, a deck last night. Sorry, sorry. Uh, I was just I, I was saying I was um I was reviewing a deck last night that had Golos at the helm, and it was this win slash lose deck. And it was just this janky kind of every card that you can think of that has you win the game or you lose the game was in that deck. Um, it was a lot, That deck was a lot of fun to play against. I mean, because it was super janky and it was super themed and I love that kind of stuff. Um, 
and that was that was where I thought it would be he'd be okay, but it's those degenerate strategies that people use him for, you know, being able to get out big fatties off the top of the library. And like you said, you don't in a turn five you can play him no matter what lands you have on the field because he doesn't have a color restriction in his in his casting cost. He just costs five generic mana. Right, and it's just and like as a, as a concluding thought on Golos, because I've said pretty much everything that I think I can think of saying. It's just yeah. there's way too much oops I win value potential. Yeah. It, 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 it's it's insane. Like I I honestly I feel like this card probably never should have been printed, but uh, he's here now. So uh, we'll see what happens with him in the future. James, if you want to go on to your he's last here from that, he's here for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so my last card. Uh, or my last little set of cards, I'm going to say, is, uh, again, ones that Paul brought up at the start of the podcast in his honorable mentions, but it's actually on my list, and that's uh, that's Armageddon slash Decree of Annihilation slash Mass Land Destruction. So, I mean, we don't particularly Land Destruct in Commander, especially on a wide uh, variety, so we don't really play the Armageddon's and, and, and all that, but I mean with the new Garvey deck that's just came has just come out, cycling has seen this massive recursion and this new spark that's excited everyone to play with these new with these new and old cycling cards, and Decree of Annihilation is one of those cards um, so it destroys all of your lands when you cycle it um, but I mean, it's just, there's nothing worse than having to rebuild from scratch in a position of already, if you're already behind the player who plays the card because they know that they've got you dead on board, where if you had spells in your hand, you can no longer play those to kind of help yourself stabilize or, or, or even get in a winning position from that, from where you are when you have no lands. Um, and I mean, it also, if they played it in, in opportune times, it then drags the game on for a few extra turns than what it should have. Um, I mean, I would prefer if they didn't play that and just killed me so that I can go and shuffle up and play a new game than have to rebuild my whole board state. Now, the last time I had this played on me, I was playing, again, I was playing Kalamak, so I had the draw spells, and in response to all that, I kind of drew a lot of cards, kept all my lands, but then I was just rebuilding my lands and had no spells to play. So I was very much put in this position where it was just like, okay, I draw pass. Okay, I draw pass. And that led on for another couple, I was at six or seven turns before someone was like, all right, I win. Um, I don't, I don't disagree entirely. Um, I do play Armageddon in exactly one deck and that's Elish Norn. See, I think in some decks that it could be, it should be, it can be okay, but it's, it's when it's played in multiple and every kind of deck. So, I mean, like that's the thing is it comes down to the, 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 uh, the extra turn spells in Kalamax. Now, when you see a Gavi deck, it's, well, do you play Decree of Annihilation? Do you play Decree of Silence? Like, what cycling cards do you play? Because I don't, I mean, no one wants to have all their lands blown up. I get if we strip mine or wasteland, you know, like you can get rid of one or two, like, like spot removal is fine, but not, just don't get rid of my lands, man. Like that's, I want my lands. I want to play magic. So I think, I don't think they're ban worthy, but I, I do think that they need to be, Policed a little, and I, I think, and especially, they should be self-policed. In that, the person that's playing it has like an obligation to the pod to not play it when it makes absolutely no sense to do so. Like to not play it when it would just slow down the game. Yeah. Like without a clear goal in mind, so those it, cards should not be played. 
I had one played on me. Uh, it was like literally the end of the game. Someone was like, I swing out and I win. And he's like, well, I'll just cycle this for no reason and blow up everybody's lands. And it was like, well, that's the game over. That was a lot of fun. But then it's the, well, I'll cycle this because it's the last card in my hand. I need to draw a card. And oops, you've had no lands now. Yeah. I mean, that that's an example of where like it looks like it should be banned, right? Because it's just like, yeah. well, since I'm screwed, you're all screwed too. And Again, I think that's a matter these of... these are my personal reflections of the cards. I mean, these don't take... This as like a... These have to be banned tomorrow. Like, this is my personal list, and these are how I feel about these cards and playing against these cards. And um, I think that's a good example of where a little bit of self-policing would be helpful. Like, if that person just showed a little bit of restraint and been like, okay, I guess I'll, I'll, uh, I'll just take my loss or whatever. Like, then... I I, yeah. I I think that that would be fine, but it's the I people mean, that don't do that that really like sully the reputation of those cars a lot. So with that being said, I have nothing else to say about my reasoning of why Armageddon and Dracaven Annihilation should be banned. So I'm going to ask Paul, what are your final thoughts on the li on this list? Did you like the list? Did you hate the list? What were some cards that, you know? If there was anything else you could put on there, what would you put on there? Um, I mean, honestly, like, it took it took me a while to even think of these. So, to think of one on the spot right now is not going to happen. But I usually okay. don't like to ban cards unless they're so oppressive or so powerful that they just like they lead to very limited diversity. And it's like yeah. a lot of white strategies will play Avacyn or Elish Norn or Smothering Tide. You know how many white decks do you see that play at least one of those cards? Roughly a hundred percent of them, right? <laughs> yeah. So th those are the because kind of cards not? that I think should be looked at and addressed a little more seriously. Like, there's no downside for you to play that card or to not play that card. You know, if there's no downside on the card, why would you not run it in every white deck? That's why Smothering Tithe is so good. There's no downside to it. You literally, any card, any deck that has white in it, Smothering Tithe. Right. And like, like I said, I think that those are the kinds of cards that should really be like focused on and maybe reviewed a little more seriously for banning purposes. But other than that, I really don't like to like ban cards just because they're powerful. Because, you know, that's not fair to everybody. Yeah. So my final thoughts on on all this, I actually do have one more that I think that should be banned, and you're gonna giggle when you think about when you when I say it, and that's uh that's possibility storm. <laughs> so possibility storm, we've talked about it before. You play the cards out of your hand, but it actually plays the cards out of your library instead. So I mean, I'm just like my thing is, is imagine having a game plan on how you want to play your turns, and then having someone resolve a possibility storm and you don't have a counter spell to get rid of it and now all those spells in your hand are basically null and void to where you're just casting the cards and the spells out of your library instead and you have no idea what you could cast you could be like well i'll play rampant growth and then pull out emicral you know that's cool that's 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 well, awesome that's a two mana emicral it, it only gets a, uh, a card that shares a type with it so you'd get another sorcery well then still should be banned <laughs> <laughs> not so much that was just i just wanted to talk about possibility storm for another another little section there that was actually one of michaela's uh 
she came up with that one. She was like, I hate possibility storms. So I had to throw it in there somewhere. <laughs> so that's my final thoughts on that. Uh, with that, this episode's going to come to a close. We're going to do up the end step now. So uh, I'm going to ask you guys to follow us uh, on Apple Podcast. Uh, hit that subscribe button. Give us a five-star review. Tell us if you hate us, love us. Give us your feedback there. We're also on Spotify. Uh, Google Podcasts, basically anywhere else you get better podcasts. If you have questions, uh, want to talk to us, want to hit us up, uh, that's the commander at, uh, commander at arms pod at gmail.com. Use that email address. Send us your deck lists with the subject deck list. So that way I can search it and I can find them and I can have a look at them. Uh, make sure those are on architect for me so I can go through and set them up in the little packets we like to talk about. Um, there's the Instagram, which is commander.at.arms on Instagram. The Twitter handle is Paul. Our Twitter handle is at CMDR at arms. Uh, if you want to follow us on there, I'm on there pretty often. Uh, Twitter is pretty much the only social media I use anymore. So go ahead and give us a follow and you can even tweet at us. I am pretty responsive, so... Uh, if you do that, I will be very likely to respond to you shortly. <clears throat> yeah, definitely hit us up. I want to see what everyone, I want to see what all the lovelies think out there on the Twitterverse. Uh, Twitter's not really a social media that I use. But anyway, I want to thank everyone for listening to this episode. I hope you guys had as fun. Like we had a lot of fun making this episode. And we will see you next week. We are Commander at Arms. Have a lovely day. Bye, everyone. Bye.